Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Hey, this is Jess Malboy, proud to be heard on the beautiful Joy 94.9. Hello and welcome to Been There Done That on Joy 94.9. Lovely to have your company on this show. What number is it? 758. Not that we're counting, but yes, it's us. It's me, Chris. And Gordon. And Phil. Oh. And I'd like to thank the guys from the band who come in every week to play our intro music. (laughs) They do a very good job. They do a wonderful job. And they're really quiet as they leave the studio. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, fellas, indeed. Uh, Yes, welcome to Been There, Done That, Joy's History Program. Gay history, Australian history, world history. A little bit of mystery. Anything that catches our attention. Well, usually round about the anniversary of the event or the person's birthday or death day or things like that. And I've got a ticky throat. I've got a, I'm sucking on an anti-coal. Oh. A, a lozenge. A lozenge. No, a lozenge, <laughs> lozenge is soft. Yeah, but just, but is it? Yes. Oh. Oh. I've learned something again. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> keep learning things. You keep learning things at but your age. Is, but it is the season. And, and as Gordon just mentioned before we came to air, he said, you just got to watch out when you step on the trains. You're likely to hit, oh, Phil, it was. Yes, the, those germ carriages. Yes, you're likely to hit a wall of germs as you walk in. You can see them, little creepy crawlies oozing up the walls. <laughs> I may be exaggerating. I have a fake <laughs> feeling you are. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, someone who's obviously never travelled in Melbourne trains is the old Duke of Edinburgh. Didn't he stop work all of a sudden? Well, he, well he's only at 95. <laughs> what do you expect? I think he did pretty well, you know. He did very yeah, well. Yeah. And uh, what a joke, calling a staff meeting, getting all the staff together at 3 a.m. and not saying anything for the next 14 hours. But didn't it throw the press and the television into utter oh, and, confusion? And stupid social and, and media. I think, I think the royal family were having a go at them. There's obviously someone in the uh, the Simpsons who would have made a comment. <laughs> or um, Munts, Nelson Munts. Oh, right. Just looked at it all and said, ha, ha. <laughs> yes, Thank the, the, you. Good old, the good old Duke. He, he was known to make a few gaffes here and there along the way, and a bit of racist jokes and a bit of racist comments. Oh, and everything, but he wasn't PC, but then he's been at the the butt of a lot of people's oh, a lot of uh, people criticism. Have, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, fancy having that job for so many years of your life and. Always having to be on your best behaviour. Yeah, but he was... He, he, well, he wasn't. His, his main thing was that he wasn't allowed to have his children called after him, take them out bat and name, because um, they're the ruling house of Windsor. So um, they had to say, no, I'm sorry, the children will be called Windsor. 
Well, they're not. They're actually the whales, aren't they? Oh, that's only... Um, that's Charles's, Charles. Charles is called whales because he was the Prince of Wales. Yeah, yeah. so that's why Harry and Wills are whales. And you've got yeah. to keep them away from the Japanese. Oh, yeah. Yes, otherwise harpoon them. Harpoon them. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> oh, and of course, Harry's coming out to Australia very soon. Yes, isn't that amazing? The, the girls will be all screaming about that one, I'm sure. Oh, yes. But it's coming, too late. Coming. We just had that get-together of all the redheads. Oh, that's right. Oh, yes, yeah. we did and too. He missed it. Yeah, yeah, he missed it. Mm, ginger Day or something, rather yeah. they call it, don't they? Yeah, put on him. Interesting to uh, to see how people will group together with a merest of of excuses or causes or reasons, mm. uh, and then the strength in numbers. There's always strength in numbers if you get the right amount of people together. Yeah, to do everything you want. To. That's why we still need joy. That's why we still need joy. Yeah, and talking about chat, well, don't forget coming up. At the end of next week will yes. be the uh, opening day of the Radiothon. So stay tuned because there's some great, great radio coming up in that one. Great prizes. And we'll great be presenters. We'll be doing a bit. And us. <laughs> oh, yes. And <laughs> us. And us. Uh, of course, we all volunteers, and it is volunteer week this week. Yes, it is too, and, isn't it? Um, we don't, well, let's blow our own trumpets. We don't get paid to do this. And people might say, well, that shows. <laughs> I thought we came in here to volunteer our opinions. Well, I've been waiting for that paycheck and it's just never there. <laughs> that's the trade-off. Oh, we don't yeah. get paid any money, so we don't tow the company line. No, true. <laughs> so, so why is Harry coming? Well, he apparently is uh, He's on his way to Singapore because there's a sporting competition. Uh, sorry, a charity polo match. Uh, Centre Bali Royal Salute Polo Cup and uh, Centre Bali is a charity Harry established uh, with the Prince of uh, Lesotho mm-hmm. and it's an organisation that provides psychological support for children living with HIV in Southern Africa. There's a lot of them too. Yeah, mm. and Harry's visited and volunteered around the African Kingdom in 2004 during his gap year. That's and right. uh, he he actually connects with a lot of groups like this, and he is also connected with the Invictus Games. That's which for injured soldiers, isn't it? It is in, in, injured and sick soldiers, and and um, mainly soldiers, I think, because he worked in Afghanistan and yeah, and uh, but it is servicemen and women and women. Yes, everybody that's involved. Yeah, and uh, he provides them a degree of normality again with their lives. Um, and it's the physical side of the lives that he's helping with in the Victus Games, uh, but he certainly points them in the right direction if they've got uh, mental injury as well. That's right. So good on you, Harry, for that. As you said, redheads to the fore. Yep. And it's 121 years ago that the Olympic Games made their return. Yes, and haven't we been having some fun with the AOC lately? Oh, yes. With uh, John, John Coates. Coates being up for re-election for the first time in 27 years or something or mm. other. Um, he's still won, but um, he was a better politician at getting the votes for himself than um, the lady that was, uh, Roche was yeah. Uh, yeah, to get Yeah, but hers. one third of the organisations voted against him, him. Which is a lot, which yeah. is a lot. So we will have to change a little bit. Obviously, you need a succession plan and he or anybody in the top job needs to be able to have a a deputy who's got all the bells and whistles and the private phone book and the magic phone so that if in circumstances they can take over the running of the show. That's right. Did you see how much money he makes? Mm. I didn't say earns. 700,000. 700,000. Yeah, more than the Prime Minister. Watching people throw javelins. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh. And stuff. No, it's more than that, I think, Phil. I was running too. <laughs> that's to escape and the javelin. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's why they run so fast. Yes. And it's around about this time that, in fact, Australia adopted green and gold as our sporting colours mm-hmm. and advanced Australia Fair is the national anthem. Which is really not an anthem. It's just a song. I had a very good musician friend. She was absolutely brilliant. And she said, it is not an anthem, Gordon. That is just a song. Well, if you look at national anthems, they're all about rockets, red glare and well, look, killing and look at the, maiming. The, and getting back to the French elections that's just been had, the Marseillais is a very, very warmongering song. It's a, yeah, the, it really is. Get, get from the revolution. And kill them all and everything. Yeah, yes, yes. That's right. But it's got the great tune. The tune of the Marseillais is absolutely wonderful. But it that is. doesn't work here because they're not girt by sea. Oh, of course They're they girt are. by land. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Why green and gold? Because the wattle uh, is the gold, and the green is the um, trees of the. The green and gold is a, is the wattle colours anyhow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but, what was the girl's name? Teresa Green. Teresa Green yeah. and Pat Burns. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. She Phil. was a good runner. <laughs> She'll name it after it. <laughs> Uh, I, I, just talking about wattle, uh, I walked to the station earlier today. I saw my first wattle this season. Yep, it's just about coming into uh, wattles. What, normally wattles a bit later in the year, I would have thought. But there are wattles every month of the year. Everywhere in Australia that you can see it. Somewhere in Australia you'll see a wattle at any time of the year, and that's why it's the national flower. Yep. I think of wattles every day. Do you? What'll we do? What'll, we what'll I have for dinner? Yeah. Uh, the, ding- the dingo, wattle bark. I'm not having ding over dinner. Yeah, but that's your Eddie, isn't it? <laughs> I'm not going to eat my dog. <laughs> Golly gosh. Uh, moving right along. Well, moving right along, why don't we have a little bit from Ace of Bass? The, what are they going to be playing for us? A song. All that she wants. All that she wants. She can get anything she wants. No, she wants another baby, though. Oh. Oh, did I? Spoiler alert on the song. Uh, no. <laughs> when we come back, we'll be uh, talking about uh, the top twins, Jan Hillier, a local icon here, uh, Alison Goldfrapp, and then we'll be speaking about a couple of massive writers, Alan Bell and Armistead Morpin. They weren't that massive. They were quite small. Big books. <laughs> Paperbacks. You, you mean in their literary output? Exactly. Literary output, yes. And then There's we an ointment will... for that. <laughs> <laughs> you apply twice daily. <laughs> then, because it's a birthday, ran about this time on the seventh of May, eighteen forty. Peter Tchaikovsky. Oh, the dancing fairy. He was born, so we might have a little bit of a reflection upon him. He was gay. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. He, he was classically gay. Class- yes, yes. Well yeah. and truly. <laughs> we, uh, I don't know whether you saw in the weekend newspapers, the magazines, there was a little article about a local uh, transgendered person, uh, Nevo Zissen, hmm. and the story of transitioning is quite wonderful. And, of course, it's it's not that long ago that there was only the binary, the only male and female, and then there was, oh, maybe a mix of both, but then, fortunately... Uh, Marcus Hirschfeld, way back in 18... He was born in 1868 or something. Yeah, but in the 1890s, he actually uh, proposed that there was more than one, uh, more than the two genders, and then the concept of the spectrum uh, developed from his work. Mm. But anyway, here we are on Joy. 
all she wants been there done that stay tuned don't go away we'll be back with more Melbourne's lovable radio station, Joy 94.9. You're with Chris Gordon and Phil. Been there, done that, Joy 94.9. Thanks for being with us. If you'd like to send in a request or something like that for us. Tell us how good we are. Or not. Or or not. (laughs) (laughs) We can be communicated with via the electronic mail. Oh. And our address, because you need an address in order to send an e- electronic mail, is been there at joy.org.au. Well, isn't that lovely? It is. That's so easy. And that's my, that's my soothing radio voice. Is it? Oh. So I'm sorry if you just nodded off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, round about this time, uh, on the 12th of May 2001, a Melbourne icon died in a home fire. We're talking about Jan Hillier, and Jan was a great promoter of our community uh, back in the 70s and 80s. She would hold gay dances. She would go to the expense of renting premises, of setting up DJs, of getting the bouncers or whoever, and just charging a nominal fee at the door. Uh, she is a multi-millionaire. She's not. It's no, one of her expressions. Right. Yes, yeah. uh, and she provided a wonderful outlet for our community in those years because we were still illegal. We were still criminals. Oh, God, yes. We were. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a question. Yes. If she got to hold male or gay dancers. Where can I go to do that? <laughs> I'd like well, to hold a, a gay dancer, please. Oh, yes. I'll yes. probably go to the Australian Ballet. Or something like that. There's no yes. shortage. <laughs> but uh, talking about venues, there's less and less of them these days in Melbourne. It's a bit of a worry, isn't it? Well, it, I think... Is it part of this time of the, the year? Is it just the way of society? I think it's the way the boom has gone. Yeah. Um, there were gay clubs and every uh, nightclub would have a gay night somewhere during the week. So you could virtually go to a gay nightclub every night of the week if you wanted to. But I think with the um, introduction of um, social media, those sort of places have um, sort of not been as popular anymore. That you no, can, you can superfluous, go on, still yeah, requirements. Yes, you can go it onto is, these, uh, these websites and find people and this sort of thing, you know. It's also the point that venues, I don't want to use the word straight venues, but they're just more accepting. You can just walk in that's anywhere. Right. You, you don't need to be segregated. Yeah. I'd, no. I'd like to think that's happening. Yeah. At one stage, uh, venues, both gay and straight, were just uh, places to go and get drunk and off your face. But now, with the drink driving laws, people have taken to either staying at home or using public transport or finding other entertainments. And now the police are actually, because of the drug crimes or Or the drug use, use, uh, they're, they're targeting these night clubs and we're being swept up as part of that sort of clean up of the the drug situation and so it's 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 not as friendly as it used to be they're also doing it with the um, the dance parties the big music parties and things that they have the the yeah. festivals and things that that they the police know that there is going to be there's a drug use there so mm. that they're having sniffer dogs and everything yeah. around the place but they're trying to save lives they're Pe- trying to save people lives, are buying yeah. bogus drugs not knowing what they are 
and, and not living past the end of the show. Mm. No, yeah, mm. which is no good, of course. <laughs> and if they want to find drug users, just follow rugby players. <gasps> oh, <laughs> they're, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. <laughs> oh, you're but it was, it, it's, it's, it's something that needs to be looked at. and it's um, Yeah, very... so we, we do really think people like Jan Hillier and all the other dance promoters of those times. She started uh, Pokies, actually, didn't she? She did. Which Pokies was, was a marvellous drag type place. show yeah. Yeah. Uh, down at the Prince of Wales Hotel in St Kilda. Yes, for and the younger listeners, it's got nothing to do with RSL clubs and machines that you put money into. No. Not that sort of Pokie no, at all. No, You're Hi, we're, we're the, the Top Twins and you're listening to Joy 94.9. Well, thank you, Top Twins. Who yes. have we got there? Linda and Jules. Linda and Jules, yes. From yes. New Zealand. New Zealand, yes. And, and very funny ladies, very talented women. Um, they don't They've, they're, they're twins, but they don't look like any. They don't look like one another at all. They're, they're completely unidentical twins. That's for sure. They were born in 1958. Now, look, why are we dealing with all these old people? Well, in fact, your reputation uh, doesn't start to develop as far as the world's concerned until you're 30, 40, or 50, or even older. So, you know, we might have some youngies on board, but you know, one one hit wonders. And of course, the top twins are national treasures in New Zealand. Are they? Oh my word, they are. Yes, they've been made national treasures. That's how famous they are in New Zealand. We, they come to Australia quite frequently so, and so appear at festivals. Apart stuff. from yodelling, what else do they do? Oh well, they were had wonderful television programs <laughs> where they were camp leader and uh, camp mother and camp leader. Yeah. And um, the, they would take these people on tours around New Zealand. And the strange things that happened on those tours were very, very funny. And they also did Ken and Ken. Now, what was that? Was that cross-dressing? They were cross-dressing as men in bars, drinking in bars and talking like the, the men talking in bars. That was very funny uh, as well. Well, that reminds me, of course, John Clark, Fred Dang. Yes, that well, New Zealand humour. Yes. Uh, carried across the ditch. Yeah, this is what um, I was having a conversation with about... Uh, with a chap on the tram the other night when I was going home from somewhere else and um, we were talking about the, the way John Clark never had to swear to be very, very funny. He never said the magic words or anything like that. He just put you in situations and all the rest of it and you would be on the floor ro- rolling with laughter but when you listen to the current crop of comedians they have to use all this yeah. words. Not me. Do you want to hear my favourite New Zealand joke? What's that? What's a Hindu? Lays eggs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. At least I didn't say fashion chaps. <laughs> uh, both Jules and Linda are openly lesbian. Mm-hmm. In March 13, Linda married her longtime partner, Donna, a preschool teacher. And at the time of their marriage, same-sex marriage was not legal in New Zealand. So the couple entered into a civil union. Uh, but when uh, same-sex marriage was made legal in uh, New Zealand a few months later, uh, they were... Yeah, they got into Top it. of the tree, they the were, tree. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's right. And talking about same-sex marriages, of course, there's another country has just said you can have same-sex marriage that even beats Australia. Little Granada. Little Granada, the Little indeed. island of Granada. You can now get same-sex marriage in Granada, but you can't have it here in Australia. When will they ever learn? I don't know. But When we change governments. Well, that's when, probably when we the only way we'll get it, yeah. Someone else is having a birthday round about this time, Alison Goldfrapp, the UK singer and songwriter, 13th of May... 1966. Okay, she might be a youngie to some people's concepts because she's a, she sings pop songs. She's 41. She is not a spring chicken no. either. Well, Same age as decimal currency. Yes. Yeah, 1966, yep. But she's she 40, had a, 51. 
Oh, 55. 66 she was born. So that's... That's 51. 51. Yeah, 51. Mm, 51. She's over the halfway mark. Mm, Oh, with a bit of luck, she'll be uh, still kicking around at 95, like the Duke. She's had a very interesting life, actually. She was a bit of a tearaway as a young lady. She got into all sorts of mischief and all the rest of it, and then she decided that she'd start doing something else, and she met uh, a composer, Will Gregory, in 1999. And from then on, the music scene started. And she's she's got a good voice, actually. We play her here quite frequently on the daytime music programs. We get a golf rap record, and it's really rather good. Oh, I've got one to play of hers. All right. Let's Should listen to it. Should we do that now? Okay. It's Believer, here on The Joy. Stay tuned. There's more. This Joy program has a podcast and you can subscribe to it at joy.org.au. Indeed, and we must thank Julia, our podcaster, for her efforts in putting the show on the web pages for mm. everybody to listen to. Marvellous reruns they are. Yes, she's very good the way she chops it and takes bits and pieces out and keeps it all together. Drops all our four-letter words. We don't have four-letter words here. Four is a, and word are both four-letter words. The only, only, only four-letter word I won't use is work. <laughs> oh, no, work fascinates me. I could watch it for hours. <laughs> uh, Julia is a volunteer, and we would like to say thank you to her. Yeah, because it's Volunteers Week, isn't it? It is. It is this week, yes. People volunteer their time and their talents, and uh, usually for no reward except the pat on the back or the inclusion in references to their and work. And the warm, fuzzy feeling of having done a good job. Exactly. But don't you feel that you always get more out of it than what you give? That's the concept is, is of... In volunteering, yes. Indeed. I always find that I get out more more out of coming into joy than I can give it. Yeah, yeah. sometimes we have the fruit bowl out. Yes, that's right, yeah. yes. I get way more in those days. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I get a banana. Hmm. Oh, have a banana. Have a banana. Yes. <laughs> and who are we talking about now? Well, Somebody we... appealing... Appealing? Like oh. a banana. Oh. <laughs> uh, round about this time, on the 13th of May, 44, was born Armistead Morpin, and on the 13th of May, 1957, was born Alan Bell. Both U.S. citizens. Um, Armistead Morpin is a writer, a storyteller, a good storyteller too, a wonderful observer of life of characters, of people, of their quirks and, and uh, differences. And Alan Bell is much the same, but he's on the TV. Although, he oh writes no. television and the movies. Yeah. Yes, but, but, but Maupin as well. His works were presented on TV as well, That's weren't right. they? That's right, yes. They did do a series Should of Tales of the City. Should we talk about the first of... The, uh, who was the first born there? Uh, Armistead Maupin. Let's talk about him. 13th of May, 1944. Uh, he's a observer of life, a chronicler, and he got his uh, stories out and about in a newspaper in San Francisco, I think it was. I don't think it was the main paper from San Francisco. I think it was in one of the suburban ones. Oh, Charleston. Yeah. yeah no, 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 initially. No. And then uh, there was a position, apparently, uh, there was the San Francisco Bureau of the Associated Press. And he had all these little vignettes, and he managed to uh, get them into the spare parts of the newspaper, and he got a following. That's right. 
because they were mostly about lots of gay characters were, because he was living in San Francisco at the height of the... What, what I find interesting is that he arrived in San Francisco in 1971 yeah. and started publishing these stories in a Marin County paper. The Marin County, that's the one it was... Yeah. 1974. Yes. Yeah. Now, surely he would have only had a, a glimpse of what made San Francisco or would be a very personal view of but he was life the, in... But the three years from between when he got there and started publishing, that's a, then yeah, you could meet a start, lot of people and... and but, but himself being gay, he would have dropped into the gay community, but... Yeah. As an observer of, of human uh, frailties, an observer of life, he would have picked out that story and, as it were, detuned it for the general public's mm. interest and consumption. Well, it was obviously good because a few years later in 76, his article started in the San Francisco Chronicle. That's right, yes. Is that which a is a real newspaper. A real one. Well... For the younger viewers, a newspaper, this was a, newspaper. It was a collection of articles that was published on paper. Yeah. Wow! Back in the early parts of last century. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but but, uh, but I've read just about everything he's ever written. He assembled them wonderful. under a general umbrella of Tales of the City. Hmm. Hmm. Who else did Tales of the City? Dickens. Dickens. No, no, he was a Tale of Two Cities. No, no, no. He did a Tale of Two Cities. Tale of t- a Tale of Two Cities. Yeah, he did a Tale of Two Cities. But also, Dickens put his little stories in the newspapers of his day. That's how he wrote them. But I've got to put some local knowledge in there. <gasps> oh, okay. San Francisco, yes. no doubt because it's so hard to pronounce, <laughs> is known in the Bay Area as the city. Oh, yeah. right. Now, you each live in your own little city. I lived in the city of Sunnyvale, which sounds like a retirement village, but <laughs> it, does, it wasn't but. really. <laughs> But we would go to the city on weekends. You would never bother saying, I'm going to San Francisco. Oh, no. Well, you wouldn't. You'd say, going to the city. Well, it's the same here. I'm go- If I'm at home, I'm going into the city. Well, it's, we're into town. But the city, like Tales of the City, hmm. he's actually saying, he's naming San Francisco. As the city. As the city. That's right. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So. Thank you for your local knowledge. It's it's wonderful how Armistead Morpan, ha- as, a mar- as a gay man, was able to marry his uh, yeah. partner... Christopher Turner, a website producer of photography. I saw him on a dating site and then chased him down Castro Street saying, didn't I see you on daddyhunt.com? <laughs> <laughs> they were married in Vancouver, British Columbia in 2007, uh, although Morpin had said they'd caught each other husband for years prior to that. But he was—he had also had a, before that, he had a, a very, very um, long relationship with the New Zealand guy as well. Oh, heavens. So, Was he a Hindu? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> I've just got to point out, Castro Street, San Francisco, is the most concentrated gay precinct in the world. Yes. And there are literally men on balconies wolf-whistling any guy who walks past. <laughs> it's intimidating at its best. But there's a lot of gay people that move, have to be move out of San Francisco now because the rents are too high. Yep. The rents and everything in San Francisco, I was reading about it in a magazine. Well, they've always been high. It's, yeah, but it's, this, this is, it's really gone um, bad now. Yeah. So it's changing. May the 13th, 1957, it was at the birthday of Alan Ball, a screenwriter. Oh, God, yes. Great stuff. And once again, he observed life and put it down in story format. It's been on the TV. Uh, I don't know that I've read any books no. in, in book form. No. I think it is 
because he's a screenwriter. And the the concept of a screenwriter, as I understand it, is that not only do you actually have to tell the story, but you have to uh, create the environment so that uh, the actions, the facial expressions, the decor, the dress, oh, the that, time and everything, um, it, it comes that you want in the storyline yeah. has to come through as by accident. The story has to be st- written so yeah. it's re- readily uh, interpreted by the director so that the, what the writer writes is very important for the director to follow. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he, he's always had gay characters in his writings. Mm, mm. Well, look at the, the uh, Undertaker family in Six Feet Under with the, with the gay guy there that had the, the African-American boyfriend. Yeah. You know, so that. gay and mixed race mm, mm. cohabitation. Mm, oh, mm. no, no, no. And Rachel Griffith was in that, the Australian. Oh, yes, yes, she was. Yes, she was yes, in that. Was so it's brilliant. And Phil hasn't seen any of them. So I'm going to lend him my DVDs of this. And he can have a look at them and get an understanding. I've seen American Beauty. Have you? That's mm. a very good movie. A couple of really interesting shots in that yes. movie. <laughs> <laughs> like the paper bag glowing in the wind. Oh, right. That's what I was referring to. Okay, then, sure. Not the new um, bits. Alan Ball is gay and has been called a strong voice for the LGBT community. And in 2008, he made Out Magazine's annual list of the 100 most impressive gay men mm. and women. And he lives in Los Angeles with his partner, uh, Peter McDissey who uh, has starred in several of Ball's works. So there you go. Good way to keep the um, money in the family. Yeah, well, (laughs) well, you've got to be happy with what you're doing, so why not? And good on him, too, because they can get married in America. Well, yes, until... No, I don't... No, no. Trump has said he's not going to alter that rule. Is he? Oh, that was one of the things he first said when he first got into becoming wow. president. He was going to stop abortion on demand or something. Rather, yeah, he was well, going I to hate allow. to tell you this, he does tend to contradict himself. <laughs> yeah, well, so I, I wouldn't it. bother quoting him. <laughs> okay, all right, because he'll right. he'll prove you wrong next week. <laughs> You're with Phil Gordon and Chris. Been there, done that. Joy ninety four point nine. Stay tuned. There's more after we've heard from Blondie and Fun here on Joy. Great shows, great topics, great radio. Joy 94.9. You're with Phil. Welcome back. Chris and Gordon. We haven't been anywhere, so we're not going. (gasps) I didn't say that. But um, (laughs) our listener might have been going to the loo, so we're thanking them for coming back to the loo. Did they skip? (laughs) Skipped my loo. My darling. (laughs) We're all southerners at heart. (laughs) (laughs) Dear, oh dear, if someone's having a birthday round about this time is uh, a, a, an excellent friend of ours. And he was a composer. He was a Russian. Yes, he, he, he was actually born in May and died... In, born in April and died in the May. He, he born in the 25th of April and he died on the 7th of May, 1940. Different years, though. He was born many years earlier. He was many years earlier, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd, who were we talking about? Peter Ilyich Tchaikovsky. And we can hear his little tune in the background. Yes. Tune. Uh, the ballet score for... Sugar Plum Fairy. Well, it's the Sugar Plum Fairy, but it was from uh, Swan Lake. No. Was no, it not? No, 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 no. The Christmassy one. Um, the Nutcracker Sweet. Nutcracker Sweet. Oh, Nutcracker I'm not yeah. calling you sweet. <laughs> S-U-I-T-E. He was a marvellous uh, composer. And 
it's not very easy to ignore his work because we don't see that that magnitude of of uh, composition these days anymore. People can jump on a rhythm machine, uh, a keyboard, and mix a couple of notes together and think that they've composed. Yeah. Not not like they used to have to. They sit at the piano or or play a, a fiddle or toot on a flute or something or rather to get what they want to do but the, it was it's a totally different way of, of working composing for Tchaikovsky he would compose for an orchestra that's right now imagine actually having your own memory is the only memory stick that you've got mm. and you're putting together all these instruments and they've all got to be sort of doing the right thing you've got to have the click track in your own mind Wouldn't he have had musical he he would have had a, a P&O or a, a, a ship. Piano. Oh. But, oh but piano, have a pianist. Piano forte. But, but, but I would guess that he would sort of have to have a theme running through his head to start with and then have to get it down. Would that be the way they would write it or would they just do it note by note? You know, it's because when you listen to that little bit that you just played there, it's just such a pleasant little sound running along. Um, would yeah. he have had that going in his brain to start with? Well... He would have had the the bass tune, but then he's mm. got to work out the counterpoints, oh, the yeah. change of key, yeah, yeah. which goes up, which down goes down, uh, and how do they resolve at the end of eight bars, mm. sixteen bars, thirty two bars? Yeah. Uh, there was mathematical precision to a lot of the well, works. music is maths, isn't it? Really, it, it, it should it be is maths. I need to point out that we only hear the good stuff. Oh, yeah. See, classical music comes across as everybody had major hits and wrote symphonies and was just perfect. 99% of the stuff that was being played at the time was rubbish. Yes. And the good stuff survived. That's right. Well, it's, As it will today. Well, it's the same with with today's current music. If it's a good song, it will survive, yeah. Well, those young boys, those Beatles, those boys from Liverpool, I reckon they'll do all right. You think they'll be still playing? I reckon, play? yeah. They might have to re-record them, though, put a beat behind them. Tchaikovsky was a very conflicted sort of person. Conflicted? Yeah, because he... Did, he was in Russia in the 1840s. But he did not He died to, in 1893. Yeah, but he didn't want to, he didn't want to be homosexual, but what? he was. But he, he was. He, and uh, there was a whole know. lot in his life that was against homosexuality at the time, of course, and then... Society. He, society was against it. And Gee, look at Russia now. They've come so far. <laughs> yes, haven't they? They haven't changed. Oh. But it was, it was just one of those things, and he was very conflicted in his own thoughts about what he was. Well, I'm sure he had fits of depression because mm. he would have seen his musical side being successful, but then as a, a human person, he couldn't balance that off with what he was hiding. That's right. That's right. And uh, I, I have a vague feeling he actually committed suicide at the end. Oh, I think he that's actually one his, of the theories. Yeah, it's one of the theories that he took his own life. Yeah, but he will be remembered by Monty Python as one of the decomposing composers. <laughs> 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 yeah, uh, he, he, uh, so it's reported he sought the company of other men in his circle for extended periods, associating openly and establishing professional connections with them. Now, this must be a bit of a confusion for him because uh, he, he, in fact, uh, obeyed society of the time and was uh, married. Yes, that's right. He, had, he, he got married to sort of hide his um, gayness, which was the problem. And um, some, some people sort of say that he, w he had no unbearable guilt about being gay. 
but then that's one of his biographers thought he had no unbearable guilt, but it uh, it didn't seem to work out that way. No, his marriage was a disaster. Of course it Mismatched was. Mismatched psychologically and sexually. The couple lived together for only two and a half months before Tchaikovsky left, overwrought emotionally and suffering from acute writer's block. Um, so he did hook up with a patroness a little later in his life, but for emotional support. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a consummated uh, relationship. Well, no, if you're going wasn't. to have a writer's block, it's better to have a cute one than an ugly one. so poor Tchaikovsky there he was uh, a great man being able to compose all that stuff but not being able to resolve his sexuality fortunately uh, in the west we are a little better resolved these a century later it's still a challenge for young men who are gay to a, admit it to themselves, yes. because society is still saying, well, it's not normal. And well, well, you've also get uh, young people that are born who realise that they're sort of in the wrong body and they want to be, um, little girls want to be dressed as boys and little boys that want to be dressed as girls, you know, and you see it quite frequently in the news that this is what is happening with this, as you started at the beginning of the show, the and binary and the non-binary. You often hear the words, oh, that's just a phase. Hmm. Yes, um, you'll grow out of it. So, some families actually have sort of anticipated the pressures of social mores to say that is a boy and he will be dressed in blue and he will play with trucks and guns, etc., hmm. etc. Et they're, they're actually uh, for the first five or so years of the life before the kid goes to school, at least, uh, treating them as genderless. Hmm. Other words, uh, always in jeans and uh, not pink and blue and these sorts of things and letting them their interest develop with whatever comes across their path and that lady gaga sing they were born that way well this is right uh, there was an article in last weekend's uh, sunday life magazine from the age which i'm going to quote a little bit from it's a uh, Book written by Nevo Zissen, a Melbourne trans person. Hmm. I'm going to say trans person right from the good go because it would seem that uh, Nevo has decided well and truly early in the process that um, the person was in the wrong body hmm. Hmm. and had to establish which person it was and which person it needed to be. And being in Melbourne, of course, as a young person, he had the children's hospital to fall back on because they are the, they are really, really good up there for yeah. children in that situation. Well, way back in the 70s here in Melbourne, there was a gender dysphoria group, and mm. um, I knew as in my social circle, not that it was for medical purposes, but we all talked about our gynecologist who also did sexual reorientation uh, adjustment uh, adjustment Hmm. operations wasn't it almost a running joke in the 70s that you would go to switzerland yeah for a holiday yeah and you'd come back as somebody somebody or other or mr somebody Mm. Uh, in this article in the uh the magazine um nevo is saying hey i went to see the endocrinologist uh, with my mum, he explained the possible side effects of taking testosterone, the good ones, the bad ones, and the fairly scary ones. Mum sat there and nodded, and the endocrinologist told her that she was taking this surprisingly well. She responded, well, what choice do I have? He replied, you wouldn't believe how many people I get in here who come in without their family support. And uh, who would have kicked me out of their homes uh, and uh, are on their own? 
And uh, she told him, it hasn't been easy, but this is my child, and I have to be there to support and love them regardless. Good on her. They are the same person, just a different package. And uh, Nevo writes, and I knew mum had finally begun to understand. I needed her during this, and it felt she was finally there. I let out a breath I'd felt I'd been holding for months. Yep. And, it uh, must be a hell of a relief for somebody in that situation to know that your mother supports you. Yeah. You know, the, or, the, the or your father or your to, parents do. The parents have to be unselfish. Because mm. you imagine, I can imagine how confronting it must be to have your child say, well, you're wrong, I'm mm. not a girl. Mm. But oh. as much as that is for them to accept, imagine the child. Mm. They're going through heaps more. That's right, yep. And you have to have your safety net. You need it, definitely. We've got lots of other examples uh, that we've trotted out on the program. Um, Schur's offspring. Yep, yep. Uh, Chastity. Chastity. Chaz, yes. Chaz. Yeah. And Uh, there are quite a few famous people. um, The the one that's just been in the news in the last couple of years. um, Well, European Song Contest. um, Who's been there? Yeah. Who was that? Diana International. Diana International. And who did it three years ago? Um, oh yes. God, I, yes. I, well, I can see him now. I can see him now. Unforgettable celebrities <laughs> <laughs> from years gone by. Uh, Conchita Verst. Of course. Yes. Thank you very yes, much. I, I, had, I, I, I had to picture her um, CD cover. cover that I've got at home, and I had to sort of picture that before I could get the name out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there are so many examples now of... The various positions people can take between the binary. Uh, and we shouldn't forget also that there is asexuality. Oh, yes. In other words, people don't need to uh, express a gender position at all. Well, there was the lady up in New South, or the person up in New South Wales has been granted a, a passport with a, a non um, gender, gender specific, s- specific um, entry. Yeah. yeah. Well, we have quite a few people here. Uh, as members of Joy, and you can be a member too, uh, who use the, not the Mr. or the Ms. or Mrs., they use MX. Oh, that one. As the honorific. Oh, right. And that is for us to recognize that they're in a different place than perhaps we might be or we might think they are. And there's a certain irony as the world we live in is becoming digital, the people we live with are becoming analog. <laughs> Because they're not binary. They're not binary, yes. Well, there we are. Thanks very much for being with us. It's time for us to go. We'll cop you later. We'll see you next week. Abyssinia. Oh, Abyssinia. I haven't heard that one. (laughs) It's an oldie. (laughs) That's an old one. They're going back to the 70s Abyssinia down the shops. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) See you in a while, crocodile. Oh, yes. (laughs) In a while, crocodile, yeah. Thank you very much for being with us. Bye for now. Bye for now. Bye. Shepard's going to keep you crazy. You can find more Joycasts and show blogs. Go to joy.org.au. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.